0: Thank you guys for joining me here at Nothing New Under the Sun. I am joined today by Serena Farb, and she is from bornvegan.org. She also has a podcast that she runs. It is called Science is Gray. I saw her when I was watching The Greater Reset, and The Greater Reset was something that Derek Bros and his crew put on in response to The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab and, and those folks. So I thought, yeah, cool, let's watch what The Greater Reset's about. And I believe the first or second speaker that I saw was Serena Farb. And as far as I'm concerned, she got up and knocked a home run right out of the park with her presentation on veganism and why veganism and just the fact that we need to make a conscious shift in our diet and how we carry ourselves on this planet and I was really moved by what she said, so I reached out to her and she reached back, and so here we are on this interview. I'm gonna let her talk about who she is a little bit more, then maybe we're gonna get into what veganism is and how some of us with not the best diet in the world could possibly switch over to a vegan diet without feeling like we gotta pull our hair out. So thank you for joining me here, Serena. Please feel free to elaborate on your bio a little bit there.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you and your listeners about veganism today. Cool. I guess, brief summary of who I am and my journey is I was raised vegan by my parents in the Kansas area in the Midwest. And and my my parents' story, basically, they were not raised vegan, and this was not a religious thing or anything like that. My mom worked in the pharmaceutical industry actually, and had the opportunity to visit firsthand animal testing labs, factory farms, a lot of these facilities in the meat and dairy industry. And what she saw, you know, made her say, I want to opt out of this system. I don't want to participate. And she also, she did not have kids at that point when she was working this job. But at the same time, she said, if I ever have kids, I want to raise them to be people who will stand for justice when they see something that is unjust or not right and be willing to to do that, even in a world of peer pressure and, you know, other situations. So that's kind of the, the, you know, family that I was brought into. And so I was raised vegan, you know, from pretty much day one. Cool. And then um, to sort of go a little bit more, you know, recent, I also, given my my mom's science background, we we homeschooled and did a lot of other alternative schooling, parenting, growing up things. I had a fairly unusual childhood, I guess. And but one of the other things that I did growing up as part of homeschooling was participate in the science fair every year, because my my you know my mom in particular loved science mm-hmm. and loved the idea of inspiring us and empowering us to sort of explore the world on our own ask questions collect data and you know do that whole thing so i grew up through high school then competing for pretty much 8 years in science fairs and ended up working in some molecular biology and cell biology labs in high school And then I went on to college to get my degree in biochemistry as well as policy studies. So science has also been like a big fixture in my life and that, and then growing up vegan in, you know, a very non-vegan world, especially in the Midwest, there's, you know, cows, like my parents also lived out in the country for a lot of my childhood. And, you know, there's cows and farms down the street and lots of that in Kansas. So not the, you necessarily, not a bastion of veganism or anything like that.
0: Doesn't seem like
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) And so kind of combining that, I feel like really gave me some, some critical thinking skills and kind of taught me to be willing to stand for justice, even when other people around me are doing things differently, to be willing to take that risk of speaking out for what I care about and thinking critically about our natural world, about health, about Um, you know, our agriculture and food systems and everything related to that. So that's kind of, you know, more or less what brought me here um, to where I am today. I've tried a lot of different things. And after getting my degree in biochemistry, I kind, for a lot of reasons, I ended up leaving the science world, you know, in the academia realm Mm -hmm. and have sort of focused more now on Education. I consider myself a vegan educator, so I speak, I write, I create videos and content, research things, um, really with the goal of empowering people to think critically for themselves and to bring their actions into alignment with their values.
0: That's fantastic. You know, and I, to go on with that, do you know much about natural law?
1: A little bit. Not okay. a lot.
0: <laughs> because it's funny. It's what you said just then is to bring your actions into alignment. And the idea is with natural law is to understand that any the, there's there's one rule. OK, and, and it boils ultimately down to don't steal.
2: Hmm. Now,
0: I'm jumping way ahead, but there's transgressions that one can commit or, or create against another sentient being. And if you're going to say don't steal, really that just boils down to, to um, a principle of non-aggression, a do-no-harm principle. And the opposite principle of that would be self-defense. So, and a lot of religions leave that out. So you have do no harm, take no shit. And so that's really what natural law is. And so ultimately, but that 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 spans beyond human beings that spans any any being and your surroundings and the the earth that you live with. And so to be in alignment with with that with with morals with truly doing no harm and whenever possible, because sometimes certain situations call for you just quite can't do exactly the amount of the least amount of harm that you want, but you Mm -hmm. travel the path of least amount of harm so.
1: I love just that. Like, I, I liked
0: what, yeah, and I liked what you said about getting your your actions in alignment with. What did you say? You said actions in alignment with
1: bringing your actions into alignment with your values. With
0: your values, right? And that's exactly right. And if we can learn natural law and understand that our values should be truly just boiled down to two principles of do no harm, and and defend yourself when mm-hmm. when confronted, and that's the basis for true living on this planet in harmony. And so that goes with not slaughtering animals, not deciding, hey, I can take that life now because I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. That's 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 against free will. That's you imposing your will on someone else's free will. I have heard it said that animals are people. They just aren't quite as advanced as we are. I prefer the what I've adopted for myself is if it has a face and a heart, I'm I'm not going to eat it. I just Mm -hmm. I just don't want to eat it. I mean, I wouldn't eat my dog. I wouldn't eat my cat.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I, I like to frame it as, you know, empowering people to bring their actions into alignment with their values, because the reality is I think the vast majority of people, especially here in the United States already agree with veganism. Like it's not this radical thing. It's the idea of saying like, yeah, if you wouldn't eat your cat or dog and you wouldn't want them to be unnecessarily harmed or killed, you know, I think most people think that about animals. Like most people already agree with the statement. It's wrong to hurt animals unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And most people already agree with that. They're just not living in alignment with it. They're, they're treating their dogs and cats that way, or the animals that they have a connection with, and then viewing animals like cows, pigs and chickens in a different light or not even thinking about it. I think a lot of people, they go to the store, they buy a package that's wrapped up in plastic. It doesn't look anything like an individual. It doesn't look like a living, breathing animal and they don't think about it. And so I'm asking people to think about that and ask yourself, if you already agree that you don't wanna see animals unnecessarily harmed, suffering, exploited, or killed, then you essentially already agree with veganism and start bringing your daily actions and choices into alignment with that.
0: Yep. And that's the hard part people don't want to. It's oh, you mean I have to change? Uh, yeah, that's that's called hard work. And and that's what shadow work ultimately is in the spiritual realm. You know, I've I've gotten sober in the past. I I'm sober for 3 years and 6 months now. And that work that's required to not just stop drinking, but once you've stopped drinking, it's all of what is inside here that is wounded and wrong and broken that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And that's on a smaller scale what people have to deal with uh, with their diet because you, you realize that you truly are acting inharmoniously with nature and it requires a massive change and, a, and an acceptance that you were wrong. I think that's the biggest part where people can't quite get their heads around it. They go, yeah, it's a good idea and it's a good concept, but I, I mean, I'm not wrong doing this. This is okay. I, I hear what you're saying and yeah, animals, etc. But then they laugh off the idea. Well, of course I wouldn't eat my dog, but, but a cow. And they, they really think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And we've just been conditioned to think of it that way.
1: And, Absolutely. Um,
0: and what happens is we need to hear it more. So the more people like you and I talk about it and present it, in a way that no, it's, you're wrong. You really are wrong about that. And, and it is okay to tell people when they're wrong <laughs> and uh, about eating animals. I were, you're wrong. We have figured out a way on this planet to survive completely. And in fact, bodybuilder style sur- survive on, on plants. So that yeah. means when we eat animals, it's for convenience and it's for appetite. And it's beyond that. It's ultimately for laziness, for lack of willing to change
1: and Absolutely.
0: so so i kind of condemn it you know i mean i'm not going to be a militant vegan and i'm not going to yell at people and i'm you know do all that but in my mind and and where i feel about it now a, a big part of that was watching the movie earthlings i mean that mm-hmm. just put a sta- that stabbed me right in the heart and i was like yeah i don't know if i'll ever eat meat again now uh that took three days for me to stop feeling bad about <laughs> and uh it definitely made an impact and i've changed I don't think I've eaten meat since then. I've still got some tuna fish in the pantry downstairs that I keep looking at. And I'm like, well, and, and I had already built my diet up to around a way of protein shakes and supplementation and mostly not eating food anyway. Okay. um, So that when it came for me to realize, oh, it's just, I don't want to eat meat anymore. Not a big, not a big change for me to kind of follow through. Whereas other people, it's like, You mean I got to stop eating Taco Bell? (laughs) You mean I got to stop eating the cookies in the aisle? All that stuff. So it's a big process. How do you recommend people maybe start from that sea of crap food that most of us live in to, to start getting out? What's your recommendation on pulling out of that?
1: I think it varies a lot for the individual. And so it really depends on you and your personality. I know people who have you know, watched a film, something like Earthlings and said, that's it. And they've gone vegan overnight, like, you know, cleared out their pantry, everything. I know other people who it's taken months, if not years to slowly make that transition. And so it, I feel like it does depend on the person a lot, but for me, I guess the, the number one thing I'd say is making sure, first of all, that you are sort of doing this, not, not that there's wrong reasons to eat plants, like. I think eating plants is always better, Mm. but I think it really helps if you are grounded in the ethics, if you watch a film like Earthlings, if you meet an animal that's been rescued at a sanctuary, if you realize that this isn't, as much as it does impact your choices and actions and, and life, it's not really about you. This is about giving the most basic of respect to other beings. And I think when you, when you shift the focus off of yourself onto who, who is being eaten or who you would choose to harm or not, that really makes it a lot simpler to, to start making that, that change. But then practically speaking, the biggest suggestion I make in terms of like actually shifting your diet is don't think about what you're eliminating so much as what you're adding in. So, and this is for, you know, even if you're already vegan, but eating a junk food diet and want to start, you know, eating a lot healthier. Either way, I think it's really a good practice to say like, okay, I'm going to make a goal of adding in, you know, a serving of greens every day. Like maybe you're not eating any salad or spinach or kale. So find a way to add a serving of greens in every day. Then see if you can add some more in. Then say, you know, let me swap out my dairy coffee creamer for a non dairy one. Let me, you know, I think, and exploring, trying to seek out new recipes, new restaurants. And if you focus, especially just from a health perspective, if you focus on adding in all of the necessary things to thrive on a plant based diet, um, and there's, you know, Dr. Michael Greger has something called the Daily Dozen and he has an app for this. And I think that's a super helpful perspective where, you know, he basically says, you need this many servings of beans, veggies, fruits, nuts, and seeds, seaweeds, like all these different foods. And for a lot of people, if you just try to eat all of the things he suggests, you're not going to have any room left to eat junk food. Like that's going to fill you up. Yeah. And so that it'll just kind of, over time, crowd out the animal products, crowd out the, the junk food. If you're focusing on expanding what you eat, trying new recipes, trying new foods, buying new vegetables, you know, adding these things in, I think, practically speaking, that's a really good way to go about it.
0: Yeah, now, okay, because I don't really know. And I uh, is vegan. What is vegan? And what is plant based?
1: Yeah, so vegan is not a diet. And that is definitely something that a lot of people are very confused about. And the media and plenty of vegan groups themselves do not help this. There's a lot of people throwing the term around improperly, you know, and and not the way it was really meant. But vegan was coined in 1944. And it Essentially is a principle of nonviolence. It is a principle about justice and not harming and exploiting other beings. So and right and in the, accordance
0: with natural law, in other words, what I was talking about earlier.
1: <laughs> there it's you like go. The, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like the
0: guy fully knew it and he understood it. And he's like, wait a minute, we're terrorizing animals. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. That's yeah,
1: just, no, just I absolutely. Exactly I, I mean, that's with... that's fascinating with natural law. And because I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, basically it was. It started off as the non-dairy vegetarian society in the UK. They had a vegetarian society and people started, you know, basically asking, do we really need to drink the milk of another species? Like, is, a, is that really vegetarian? And it was a split. And so then the sort of non-dairy vegetarians left and went over and created the vegan society. And so in some other early documents and writings of these people, you know, they basically talk about how, and this is stuff that like a lot of even vegans today don't know and sort of have left out or ignored, but they talk about how veganism is this principle of nonviolence. It's, you know, an act of love and liberation for ourselves and for other beings. And that then this principle can be applied to diet, to clothing, to entertainment, to transportation. So it's not a diet. It's not any of these things, but A vegan diet is the result of saying, let's apply the vegan ethic and principle to what we eat. And when you do that, you see that we should eat plants and not other living beings. When you apply veganism to entertainment, you see that we don't need to confine animals in zoos or train them in circuses to perform for us when we can have acrobats and gymnasts and and people that are willingly and being paid usually to perform and do these things. We have these other forms of entertainment and we don't need to confine and exploit you know, sentient animals, when you apply it to transportation, we see we don't need to ride horses or have them draw, you know, like pulling carriages. When we apply it to science, we see that we can find alternatives and we don't have to experiment on animals. So it's, it's this broad ranging, the practice, it's not really about the practices, it's about the principle inherently, and the practices sort of logically flow from those principles.
0: That's so cool. That's I've never heard it said that way. But I mean, it sounds like veganism is just like taking the concepts of natural law and just calling it vegan. Right. It's like, okay, so because I guess what would you say? I'm a natural lawist. You (laughs) know, you would just say I'm a vegan. And now that makes sense to me. Like I, I was just like, oh, oh, that makes total sense. So that's it's just some natural law folks sitting around and they're like, well, let's just call ourselves vegan. And it's like, okay, And then because like you said, all of the all of what you would do if you are truly grounded in natural law and trying to live like that that's exactly what you just said and and the your actions will flow accordingly and it doesn't take a lot of time sometimes more than others to to actually think about what you're doing and go oh yeah this isn't really you know it'll it'll take some time and for me it wasn't about a year before i really understood natural law till i realized oh yeah i can't eat meat mm-hmm. um, yeah so fantastic. that's so cool that's I'm so glad I, I again that I had you on because this is just <laughs> this turns out it just keeps getting better <laughs> awesome, so cool, so very cool. How long have you been doing your podcast?
1: Only about a year it's had one season <laughs> so far,
0: okay, right on, so did it do pretty well?
1: Yeah, I mean it was that was almost more for me than anything else, like most of the other stuff I do. I have a clear intention of sort of message I want to put out and who I want to reach. And I did with this podcast as well, but it was also more of just like an interest project for me. I felt that there was this niche and there were people that I wanted to have nuanced conversations with that I just thought would be like fun and cool and interesting. So I kind of went into it more with that mindset of like the conversations that I wanted to have an explore and just allow other people to listen as well.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's <laughs> kind of what I'm doing here too. It's really, I, I mean, it's just, I got a, the ability to allow myself to talk. It's like, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, and if I can get other people to sit with with me that also like to talk, then Hey, it could actually be fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, and so far it has been, I'm, I think you're probably my 17th interview, something oh, like that. Wow. So, yeah, awesome. It's, it's going well, I just interviewed Mark Passio yesterday.
1: Very cool. And
0: yeah, so he was one, he was a mentor. He's the guy that taught me how to do all the computer stuff. And he's also the guy that teaches natural law. So he, I just remember like just after my sobriety, right? Like I was like learning, like totally ready to be a sponge now. Like I had really released a lot of stuff and kind of changed my mindset. And then I see this dude and he starts teaching about uh, like, wow, natural law. And like in a very deep way. And so I really was able to make some wholesale changes in my, who, who I am. And then my life led me to have to come out here to start taking care of my mother and i had just decided i was going to start producing content i needed to i knew enough stuff about enough things that i needed to start sharing and as i decide to do that this is the synchronicity of the universe and i just say well i'll I'll watch youtube videos on how to make youtube videos (laughs) and I get an email from his uh, from Mark Passio. You just never get because it's not like he sends them out even monthly. It just they never show up randomly. One shows up that's like, hey, I'm putting on this class called how to be the true media, and it's about all this stuff. And it's a list of how to make podcasts and do content. And I'm like, so there we go. (laughs) So I took that and then. Like I said, just yesterday, I'm at the point of, I interviewed him for my podcast. And so it's, it's, it's amazing how when you put your mind to it and follow your will and know you're doing something good, that, that good things can happen. And that's so awesome. it seems <laughs> as though you're doing the same thing. So that's why I was just curious about, about your podcast and how you're, how you're doing with it. I wanted to talk a little bit what, we, what you mentioned earlier is kind of like about what, what you're putting out as far as the eating of animals and that kind of thing. It's you know the vibrations and the karma. It truly does, it's, it's a part of our own debt that we pay to treat animals that way. And, and it really, and I don't know, a lot of people may not think about this. If you've heard any of my podcasts, I kind of bring this up every single time, but there's really dark forces on this planet that, that uh, and I also believe that, that aren't human, they might look human, but when we eat animals, we've given our metaphysical consent to be eaten we've allowed ourselves into that arena of beast eating beast. And I believe that the beings that are more conscious very well know that. And that that's their way of basically getting around a metaphysical law of you can't do that to somebody. It's like you can if they do it. And that's really kind of how natural law works. So anyway, just, just the idea of retracting back from eating meat. I mean, and again, just in my mind, I keep going to this scene in this, that movie, uh, earthlings where there is like a large earth mover, like, so the biggest dump trucks they can find full of skinned bulls and just being dumped down a cliff into a pile of this little inlet. That's just all red. And it's just like, wow, that's so horrific. <laughs> And even though that energy isn't necessarily right down the street from us, but that's the energy we wear when we put on the leather and all that stuff and
1: Absolutely. so uh,
0: it, yeah it's the consciousness that we need to to carry with us in this in this world so and and again, thank you for for being a proponent for it and being so well spoken and so <laughs> that that helps us all to see it more so.
1: Cool. yeah no i mean what you said is is very on point and i mean the way i think about it too is like we look around the world and we have war and violence and conflict and you know even things like domestic abuse and we can look at it you know like you're saying kind of from this spiritual level and we also have like hard data and evidence to back that up too like um you know in particular when you look at the rates of domestic abuse among like slaughterhouse workers or or you know, animal abuse is often a predictor of things like domestic abuse. There, there's a huge connection there as well. And if you think about it, like, and and that that's more directly. That's not even just eating animals. That's the people that are actually you know that we're essentially paying to right. actually do this. So I'm sure that's going to be even more profound and more way more dramatic than people that are you know just consuming that. Yeah. But I think it's it's kind of the same, and it's like we have all these problems and all these things. And we're, you know, sitting here wishing for peace, you know, on Christmas Eve or whenever Thanksgiving, talking about giving thanks. And then what are we doing? We're gathering around the literal dead body of, you know, a tortured and enslaved being when we have other options and things we could be doing. And so how do we expect to create a world, like actual world peace or compassion or loving connections if we can't even, you know, do a fairly simple thing of choosing to eat plants instead of a dead animal because it tastes good and it's a tradition. So that on a really basic level is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, on the vibrational level and and all of that, we're directly consuming literal violence, death, Mm -hmm. and suffering so yeah which
0: can only keep our vibration down which will only keep us in this dark heavy dense 3d reality that we are experiencing right now which i don't know um how you feel religiously or anything i'm not so much into religion but i do talk about christ and what his point here was was to teach us that if we raise our vibration that's the way out of this now it can be looked at in a lot of different ways and, and everything else but but ultimately, he was saying, if you behave right, you can get out of this. That's like mm-hmm. treating, treating one another like you want to be treated. And you know that which you do to the least of them, you're doing to me. And the father and I are one. I mean, I'm jumping around a lot. But also, ultimately, he's getting to the point of we're all connected. All of this is connected. We are all from source. And this is all experiential. And we're all interacting with one another. And if we want a paradise, we have to put out paradise. We can't be thinking death, kill, torture in here and expect to see paradise out there. It will never work that way. We are very creative beings, and our thoughts are what create our reality. And so, to get—I mean, it's so cool to have you know this stuff at the—you know—at in, in, a young age, and. And and to be able to act on it and to be able to push it out and know you're right, because, man, it took me forever. I, if I had known this back then, I would have you know, done that. But like I just went so many years just being stupid and I would have never even gave two thoughts to the idea that it was hurting a being. It's like, well, it's an animal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to eat my cat, but that's just not what we do. And we do eat these. And um, it's just, man, it takes a little bit of spiritual progress to get past that. And that's what I hope for people to gain out of this some spiritual progress because yeah, dude, it's not, it's your, it's your appetite that you're, that you're feeding. It's not that you don't need the meat and there's going to be all these people. Oh, there's, you can find all the scientists and athletes that tell you you can only get proteins, certain strands and whatnot from certain types of red meat. And it's just not true. Um, You can, again, they have plant-based bodybuilders.
1: Absolutely. So kind of end
0: of story. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so have you heard of the film peaceable kingdom the journey home no i think you might really like that it's one of my very favorite vegan or animal advocacy films to show and full disclosure i did happen to work with the film producers of that film for a while what? as well what's it called again? peaceable kingdom the journey home and it's if you look that up or go to tribeofheart.org um the film is available free online on their website. They have a bunch of, they have some other films too that are beautiful. Like it's a feature length um, award-winning documentary, but I love it so much because it's very different than Earthlings or many other animal rights films. It's not just sort of beating you over the head with graphic footage. It tells the story of like four individuals, some of whom are farmers, fourth generation cattle ranchers. One is like an animal rescue police officer type of person and it follows their journeys. And so some of the most moving moments in it are when a former dairy farmer is basically, I think he also worked at slaughterhouse too but basically he talks about you know the first time he had to kill an animal or you know first time he participated in 4-h as a kid it was really hard he cried a lot the second time it was a little easier third time you know eventually and like he just describes this blatant desensitization of what it took for it to basically not become hard for him to hurt animals anymore Mm -hmm. and yet he was still able to sort of turn this switch where he'd go and love his dog and could be perfectly loving and kind you know He flipped the switch and it was, you know, animal lover, then he'd turn it off to, you know, desensitized animal killer, essentially. And so the film is absolutely beautiful, especially for anyone who comes from a farming background. It might really, it's really easy for you to relate. And if you've ever questioned or, you know, had sort of these emotions or feelings about your involvement in the system, I think you know, you might really relate, and this is for anyone who's been in the farming industry, these people might really relate to some of the individuals in this. Uh, Another, you know, person is Howard Lyman. He's a fourth generation cattle rancher who, you know, he really believed he was feeding America, grew his farm to a massive operation. It was, you know, doing well, like he really believed he was doing what was right until he realized that, you know, some of the practices that were normal on these farms were creating mad cow disease and uh, feeding animals back to other animals, making cows, you know, cannibals essentially, and things that were absolutely, obviously not natural for Atrocious. them. Atrocious. And and so then he he chi- kind of changed and became an advocate, speaking out about this industry.
0: Cool. So the
1: film is just it's beautiful, but it's also called Peaceful Kingdom: The Journey Home, and has this kind of, you know, a little bit of that spiritual backdrop of. You know, we're we're meant to be these peaceful, compassionate beings. We have to be trained and taught by society to become something different. And if we could all sort of come back into alignment with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it's really beautiful. I, I, I think you'd really like it from what you've said.
0: Cool. Well, then that's awesome. And then so I guess what I'll recommend to you for the idea of natural law is Mark Passio and the science of natural law. Okay. And you can, you can find that on his website, which is whatonearthishappening.com. And I'm kind of saying that for the listeners, everybody knows who listens to me anyway, but, but I, I figure each time there'll be new people. So say, say it again. And I have that on my Odyssey channel as well. So I would highly recommend it. It's about an hour and a half okay. of him laying down kind of on a, fundamental almost scientific level how our world is going to be based on how we behave in it and not so much individually but as an aggregate so we need to stop terrorizing our planet and living in harmony with it and the concept of natural law is very simple and we've already been over it but it's it's an individual it starts with one and then it it expands out into everything and so yeah, that's fantastic, and I'm I'm super glad. I'm definitely going to check that that out because it sounds like it's great. Something about helping animals without it being – you have to give a disclaimer before you – like, you're going to hate watching this or something like that because – I, I have mean, to- they,
1: yeah, it does have some gra- – like, it's not – it still has graphic footage in it, sure. but it's very intentionally placed, and it's more – to add and, and emphasize the story that these people are telling and not so much just like, here's the footage of everything that happens in the industry. Because a lot of people can't handle that. A lot of people don't need that or shut down. Like yeah. I've had plenty of people that go into to watch Earthlings and partway through, they're just like, okay, who cares anymore? Like whatever, because they've just sort of shut down from so much of it. Yeah, And I think this film takes a very, very different approach
0: that's very cool that's good so i might uh, i'll find that and see if i can't link to it or something too because yeah earthlings is i didn't even watch the whole thing i had headphones on so i would for sure hear everything but like there was moments where i was like oh i can't why i'm just not going to watch this i had to walk away
2: mm-hmm. and a
0: lot of the circus stuff and then a lot of the uh, animal testing i'm like nope i can't do that like that to me is so i i just zero of it i don't want and I, that should just be done with right now no questions like you're all fired all that's over. There is no more of that anymore you know, like, but here we are. So we'll figure it out as humans one day that, that you can't, you just don't get to do that. You know, you don't get to take something that has free will and take its free will and go, well, because I'm bigger than you, I get to, because then metaphysically you're saying to the universe, if there's anything out there that's bigger and badder than me, which I'm pretty sure we all know there is, you get to just come scoop me up and take and do with me what you will.
1: Yeah, it's might makes right. Like a lot of people, you know, they'll argue with me about veganism or say things and and it's, you know, like, um, basically they're perpetuating the idea that might makes right. And I'm like, yeah, but do you really believe that? Is that really the kind of world you want to live in? Because taking a might makes right approach justifies all kinds of things that i think most of us would agree are horrible and wrong and not the kind of world and society we want to live in
0: right i mean to express your point a little better you could find like maybe the mma champ and like out of like an almost a 100% of the time in that scenario you could just have him around the corner and then it's like okay oh so might makes right and then have your guy come around and be like <laughs> so i'm right then huh you know what i mean it's just like see it doesn't mm-hmm. work like um no you it's it's yeah it has to be it has to be an understood thing. It's amazing how we as people want pain. It seems like we want the path of most resistance. We we just refuse to accept that that if we just try to live in harmony, things will be better. And that kind of bums me out. But people like you inspire me, and uh, we're doing this, and we're getting it, we're getting the message put out, and I think people are going to hear it. So, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think, like, what does your diet look like? What do you eat on a, like a weekly basis primarily?
1: Yeah. So it kind of varies, but, and I will say if anybody listening does have Instagram, I have a whole story highlight called what I eat. I take a lot of pictures of my food. So if someone is interested, you can like click through that and actually like see a lot of what I eat. Yeah, so and, tell us your
0: tell us your Instagram real quick and then I'll also put it at the end and I'll I'll probably lay it over the screen too, but just what is it real quick?
1: Born vegan 1. The the number 1. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um but yeah, so I I aspire, you know, largely to be a healthy whole foods plant-based eater. Um but I certainly have my fair share of vegan junk food as well. Um and, you know, Just to throw this out there, because a lot of people kind of, you know, I've I've noticed there's some people that like maybe who don't understand veganism, but they sort of hold vegans to the standard of like, oh, you ate some junk food or what. It's like, okay, 99 percent of every person out there, whether they're into healthy eating, whether they're vegan or not, they're probably eating junk food sometimes, too. So it's like Mm -hmm. that just irritates me sometimes. It's like you're um, supposed
0: to be Jesus when you claim vegan. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it's like it's like we do get held to an unreasonably high standard sometimes sure, sure. and and this double standard, so yeah of course, I aspire to eat a healthy whole plant based you know diet, and that looks like um and, and that is mostly how I cook for myself, but I also love going out to vegan restaurants <laughs> and exploring those and um you know eating my fair share of vegan ice cream and things like that but On a a pretty regular basis and when I'm cooking for myself, it's a lot of, uh, I eat a lot of beans and legumes. Those are kind of the staple of my diet. So, and ideally I would love to cook beans from scratch, but that does take a little more time and planning to sort of soak them overnight and then cook them in a pressure cooker or something like that. So I still, where I am in my life, depend a lot on canned beans. But from the research I've done in the scheme of things, that is so much like, yeah, if you want to cook from scratch, that's great. But eating beans is so beneficial that even if you have to buy cans and eat them um, and there's organic canned beans and things like that, it's still hugely beneficial. Um, So I like stock my pantry with canned beans. I cook my lentils from scratch usually because you don't have to soak them overnight but chickpeas, kidney beans, um, black beans, pinto beans, white beans. Like I really, (laughs) I've got it all. Um, so I eat a lot of beans and greens. So that's like, I'll saute some garlic in vegetable broth and then throw in a can of white beans and then a bunch of chopped kale with a little bit of soy sauce and nutritional yeast for flavoring, uh, and put that, you know, on quinoa or rice. Um, I have a lot of meals like that. Um, chickpeas and pasta sauce with pasta um, or, and, and throw in zucchini and roasted red peppers. I make a lot of like lentil curries, vegetable curries. Um, when I'm really lazy, I'll open a can of beans and eat them plain or like beans and salsa, maybe some frozen corn added in and some, you know, tortilla chips or something like that. Um, I, it's quite varied. Um, I really do mix it up a lot. Uh, last night, night before I made like a a sweet potato, um, West African stew. It was like sweet potatoes, spinach, uh, with like a peanut sauce, peanut, like curry. Um, I, I do a lot of like stir fries, um, you know, like Chinese style stir fries, things like that. Um, I'm all over the place, but, but lots of like veggies, greens, Uh, rice and quinoa are my go-to grains and then, um, you know, uh, lentils, beans, all of that.
0: (laughs) Sure. So, um, yeah, as far as junk food, like what kind of junk food do you eat? Like stuff that's not good for you that like, you still are like, well, because I do do right. And so like, what's Mm -hmm. the least bad for you junk food, I guess. Cause I would assume that's what you would Mm -hmm. pick out. Right. You're not going straight for like, well, Reese's peanut butter cups. Here we go. You know what I mean? Like, so what's your like least bad junk food? I, like, I call
1: it like the natural organic junk food is the go. way yeah. I put it. So like, I personally try to avoid high fructose corn syrup, artificial colors and flavors. Um, like those are my three big sort of no-nos. So like, I'm not eating like Swedish fish or Skittles. I'm getting the like organic sugar, non-artificial like Skittles. Um, yeah. They're still sugar. I mean, like the the worst parts of like, it's still junk food because it's, you know, sugar and yeah. and stuff like that. But um, for me, it's basically like I go for the organic, non-artificial cool. um, junk food.
0: Yeah, that's how I do it. I found Black Forest has a really good uh, gummy bears mm-hmm. and they have an organic gummy bear that uh, there there's no um, high fructose corn syrup and mm-hmm. there's no artificial dyes. There's no yellow five or blue six or whatever it is. None of that. So I'm like, yeah, okay, as far as that goes, because I do like gummy bears occasionally. And then I found a couple of good cookie companies that's like there's really no chemicals in it. I'm like, wow, that's rare. They're expensive. But it's like, okay. So I kind of do the same thing and try to limit it. Um, I eat a lot of uh, shakes. I I do a lot of like I have greens. I have uh, fiber. I have um, hemp and pumpkin seed and chickpea. And then also some whey protein that I haven't quite, I mean, I bought a, a whole bunch of it and I'm like, well, I have it and I don't want to just get, throw it away. So I'm kind of, um, I, I still use my whey protein, I guess, um, mm. until it's uh, kind
1: of toxic.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, well, I have, it's, it comes from one of the better, I would like to know why you say so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it came from a, from a, it's a non-GMO, uh, grain grass fed and all organic and no hormones and any of that added so, um, but why, why is the uh, whey protein toxic beyond that?
1: Because it's inherently problematic. Like it's an animal protein and the mix of amino acids that make up animal protein is slightly different than a lot of the, it still has like both animal protein and plant proteins have all the amino acids we need, but sort of the ratio of the amino acids can be different. Okay. And whey, whey and casein protein, which are the two proteins in milk, Basically are linked with they're linked with cancer growth and that's like it doesn't matter whether they're organic or grass fed or how they're produced. It's the inherent makeup of that animal protein then went that when given basically to cancer cells, it makes them grow. Yeah.
0: Wow. I did not know that. Well, that's, um, I mean, I, I've, I've transitioned mostly away from it, but it was just kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, I mean, I'll just throw a scoop away this time because it's, mm-hmm. I've got so much of it still. I got three, five pound things of it still.
1: Oh, wow. Cause
0: I was, well, I was in my, like, this was about a year ago and I was like, oh, the world's going to shut down at the beginning of 22 and it's all the grids going down. And I mean, dude, that may still happen. But like, at that point I was like, I'm going to have everything, you know, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. left wanting. <laughs> <laughs> right and so now I'm like shit I changed my diet in the middle of that and now I don't have <laughs> so I'm sure I can find somebody to give some really high quality uh whey and casein protein to. but um I, I yeah I have I have I think switched over on that so yeah I was just curious I figured you'd know <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh some of that research is presented in like the China study and is by T. Colin Campbell who's a nutritional biochemist PhD one of the he's done some of the most groundbreaking epidemiological research on plant-based diets and sort of comparing plant and animal proteins.
0: Wow. Who
1: is it again? Dr. T. Colin Campbell. And his book is the China study. It's one of the longest running epidemiological studies we've ever done, like looking at diet and nutrition. And I think it was Oxford, Beijing and Cornell, like a joint study between those three universities. He he's at Cornell university. He's retired now. He's you know, 88, but still speaking, like he speaks regularly and is continuing to like write and publish papers. He's just not teaching wow. <laughs> at Cornell anymore.
0: Wow. That's really cool. So that's a, that's a good one to look into. I imagine the China study is that, does that absolutely. book kind of put together a lot of his research and findings? Yes, wow. absolutely.
1: Um, and what was and his yeah, name
0: again? I, I...
1: T Colin Campbell, Colin Campbell. Oh, um Okay. If you look up the China study, I mean, he's every like, He is a world renowned researcher and he actually has, he created the first like official plant-based nutrition certification and it's run through Cornell university online. And so if, I mean, for like that, I haven't actually taken it myself yet, but I'm very familiar with a lot of the people that are lecturers through that course. And it is the most comprehensive overview of the, of plant-based nutrition in my view.
0: Cool. Cool. Cause that's, I think where most people are going to look at this and and say, okay. And again, like what you said, start putting things in before you start taking things out. Now, I think there's some things that we could go ahead and eliminate. Like, uh,
1: absolutely. Like Like if you you feel comfortable,
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, and, and even just knowing you should get rid of sugar and flour and meat then try to just get, just try to just chop them in half. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm going to do half the sugar and I'm going to do half the flour and half the meat. That way, you're not really stopping it, because you're going to freak out and you'll just you'll just fail uh, if you well, try some to do something that's too hard for yourself. So if you can do it, do it. But if not, just cut everything down and and know what you need to to get rid of, but just add things in.
1: And if you are going to cut something out, like entirely to start. I actually think that dairy is the best thing someone can cut out before they cut out meat because dairy is so inflammatory and causes so many issues, especially hormonal issues. I mean, it's, it's horrible for so many things, including allergies, sinus problems, acne, that a lot of people will feel better, like within days of cutting out dairy. And that'll sort of give them the motivation as well. Just, and this is just from a health perspective to, to keep yeah, going. Right. Um, but I think people will notice more benefits from cutting out dairy immediately than most and, people. Notice and all the
0: mucus in your lungs and in your sinuses that stops happening. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I did that, I went to a friend's house oh, a few months ago now, and she was like, Oh, I got a vegan milk maker. I was like, really? And she showed me and it's called, it was from the brand was almond cow.
1: I've heard about that. Yeah, And they're
0: badass, dude. So it's super cool. So I do that now it's and it was very easy. Uh, It was a little expensive. Um, I think the whole kit was like 200 bucks. But Mm -hmm. now I never have to buy milk again. This thing is like super solid, well built. um, And it's just a it's a it's a pitcher that Mm -hmm. um, a mechanical piece sits on top of that plugs in. And it's got a shaft that goes down with the ninja blades down here and, and they go into a basket, you fill the basket with cashews whatever you want really but cashews and almonds and coconut flakes and a date that's what i put in there Mm -hmm. and seal it up it's got the little screen mesh holes on it you put it back down in the canister that's at such a height of of water filtered water and hit go and then I it'll run it through three times. I hit go three times. It makes just the best milk and no. And now you have like a paste for cooking with mm-hmm. which at that website, they also have all sorts of recipes, what you can do with the paste that you've now created. I just eat it with a spoon because um, I, I, I don't really have that that much uh, creativity when it comes to cooking. I have too many mm-hmm. other things to do. And at the same time, I have a really big desire to not waste so I'm like, even if I'm not hungry, I'm like, well, we'll just go meow, 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 and I'll power down like five big scoops of the of the puree that I've created. Nice. I'm like, I'm not hungry now. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but yeah, so that's a great, fantastic way for people to start like what you said, make an investment and just give up milk and you'll pay for them for that. Especially most people go through a couple gallons in a week. I mean, that's like that's almost like 12 bucks a week now that you're spending on milk or more. So just buy a vegan milk maker and there's, there's not just the almond cow. There's several, but what a fantastic wow. thing. And it tastes good too. It really does taste kind of like milk. It's weird.
1: I use uh, I just use a Vitamix. I don't have like an almond cow or anything. You use um, a, what? Oh, an, a, Vitamix. a Vitamix just, yeah. and, and I like that because it works for so many other things as well. I already use it to make smoothies and things. And so right. I can make cashew. The, the only difference there is cashew and coconut milk usually don't need to be filtered, but almond milk, usually does. And so then I just have like a nut milk baggie that I pour it through to filter out the pulp after blending it up, but you can make oat milk that way too. i just throw like some oats in water and then that one doesn't need to be really filtered at all. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then, um, I've started, uh, there's a company daily harvest that I've just found out about and they just kind of send stuff to you, which is making my (laughs) life a little bit easier, but it's all organic. All I I believe they're vegan. They don't, I don't think they sell any meat products out of the whole company and so and it's all non-gmo organic etc and they just have these little frozen cups with all the with all the stuff in it to make a smoothie but it's they put like uh, cauliflower and kale and broccoli and all sorts of cool stuff in with blueberry and goji berry etc to so that you're not going to taste all the the healthy stuff but it's uh, they're fantastic so definitely going more to just, just changing my diet a little bit more radically. And it's Mm -hmm. not hard once you get in the mindset. And then again, it's about aligning yourself and your vibration. You'll feel the food that you're putting in you creating the energy that comes off of you. Honestly, you stink less. You know what I mean? Like you, you smell like what you put in you. And so when you stop putting trash and death in you, you really smell less terrible. (laughs) Uh, it's just one of the things that happens not to mention like Your sleeping improves. Your just overall feeling of well-being improves. It's really, it's just kind of amazing. It's I I guess if anybody's ever been a smoker and then quit smoking, Mm -hmm. that level of, wow, um, I know you probably haven't experienced that, but I have. And it's a big, just in that one aspect, is such a big change on how you feel. And like, you're like, oh, I can smell that tree over there. That's unbelievable. You know, like things really Mm -hmm. do change. And your diet is such a big, important part of that. So.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: I, yeah. I'm, I'm very, very happy to have you on. What, um, what else did you want to say?
1: Well, I will add this just to clarify. I realized what I said earlier wasn't the most clear either when I was talking about double standards um, with vegans and expecting them to be super healthy. Mm. A really good way of putting this is think how weird it would be to go up to someone who they're an animal rescuer and they they spay and neuter like cats and dogs or something like that's so there, you know or they're a human rights campaigner they're working to end like sweatshops like any of those people or they're they're really into you know they're they call themselves an environmentalist they're really big into low waste living and recycle uh, everything recycle everything right you wouldn't go up to any of those people and be like oh my god you're eating junk food like oh that's really unhealthy because like they're completely separate things one is like diet and health one is like an ethical principle. And so that's that's my issue. It's like you can like I consider myself someone who is both an ethical vegan and I'm very concerned about our food system and healthy eating and whole foods like plant-based living. But they're like two separate issues and I'm tired of people assuming that they have to go together. Like you wouldn't go to an animal rescuer who's working with cats and dogs and then say like oh my god I can't believe you just like ate like you know fast food or junk food like There there's animal rescuers that are into healthy eating. There's animal rescuers that aren't there's human rights campaigners that also personally work out and are really into healthy eating and some that aren't right. And so that's how I'd put it. They're, they're two separate things. So sort of bother me per se, when there are people who are like ethical vegans who are huge junk food vegans eating, you know, the impossible Whopper at Burger King. Personally, I don't want to do that. And I have critiques and issues of that. But it's like, one is about animal rights. And then you can also care about our food system and the fast food industry and all these other things. But like, we don't expect that of other people that are out there doing other things. And then suddenly we do a vegans. We're like, how can you be a vegan and eat at like Burger King? It's like, how can you be a a human rights advocate who eats it? burger? I mean, and, and there's obviously probably some human rights issues. With oh yeah. On.
0: Yeah. Tons. Yeah. No, no right. Sure. But oh, hey, where um, do you think the impossible Whopper comes from? <laughs> right. Sorry. I mean,
1: like, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, but like, no. and I have plenty of critiques well. of those things, but my point is just like, they're separate. One is about like being concerned about a corporate food system, like additives health. And one is this ethical principle and there's nothing in an ethical principle about not wanting to harm others that says like you inherently also have to care about junk food versus health food
0: yeah so you've just given me the title in this rant that you just did it gave me the title for this episode and it's going to be veganism is a lifestyle not a diet mm. and, and it, although and then because of what you've said throughout here people will, will hear that it the diet comes from the lifestyle Um, And then what you just said, but I think that will be intriguing for most people, because I think I didn't know I really didn't know any of this until right now, which is why I was super stoked to get you on because I was like, well, I think I know what veganism is and I've even looked up some stuff that you said that I saw you present uh, when I saw you, what was that in January now? Mm hmm. And I was just like, no, I still don't really have it's what I'm finding isn't answering my questions. So I was like, I hope she comes on so that I can ask her directly. That's how I get more of my stuff figured out. I have to talk to the person directly. And here we are. And so, yeah, now I actually understand what veganism is. I I think that'll be a good title, though, because most people will be like, what? Veganism is a lifestyle, not a diet.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome! Yeah. yeah,
0: so that's cool. You you helped. That that was a two birds with one stone kind of thing. I I learned something and I came up with the title for this one. So good, good well, stuff. Well,
1: and just because you said that, I use the phrase uh, "feed two birds with one scone."
0: Cool. Well, <laughs> because that I
1: just, not not to like you know I, i'm not trying to criticize or anything but like i do think language oh, is important. oh oh, i
0: see instead of kill two birds with sunstone yes. right i got you yeah that was so uh, I, that was yeah i didn't even yeah that's good good <laughs> no, catch, it's, good it's, catch.
1: <laughs> it's built into our like language. world in so many ways that we don't even realize like we are normalizing harming animals with our language with our movies with our it's like everywhere and so i do think one of the other things we can do as we learn and grow as people is to also work to sort of change our language to help normalize something new
0: no you're very correct on that and i have a friend who i don't know that he would have caught that one but he never lets me say anything without being like well then say what you mean uh so yeah but thank you because that that just reminds me yep because i do i just i i unconsciously my mouth sometimes just unhinges and then goes and i need to slow it down a little bit and try to think more so that's definitely good but i so i appreciate that Feed two birds with one stone. Good stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe that'll be like the, in parentheses, part of this name for the episode. So um, awesome, man. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with us or talk about? Like experiences traveling down to Mexico and going to do the Greater Reset? Or was that fun? How was how did that all... Like, it was you,
1: awesome. You yeah? probably don't want to get me started on another story. I, <laughs> I could talk for so much longer about so many things. Right on. Um, but yeah, the greater reset was amazing. And I'm, I it was wonderful to have that opportunity to speak about veganism and and share this message there. You did and- too.
0: You crushed it. Yeah. I, that's you impressed me so much so that I, that's why I reached out and I also wanted to, and I'll send you some links. I'll send you an email so that you can see who Mark Passio is and see mm-hmm. how his presentation style is. And then also watch his his documentary on, on natural law, because it gives it a real... Now, he has two versions of natural law presentations. One is on his website that is a three-part, nine-hour-long presentation of natural law, which is oh, what wow. I ultimately recommend. If you really want to get into it and have him go through the whole thing, it's nine hours. So that's, like, plan on that. The, the documentary he put out is a condensed, uh, almost bullet-point version of that, and it's more like an hour and a half. So that's a good okay. intro to it and then if you really want to get in deep to what what that is then that's that's where you would go to find that. But I would like you to see his one that he has that class because what you do with your with your technological skills if you were to have him show you some things it would you would you would tenfold it right away because you already have so much of that there and I just I I just guarantee by seeing what he did you could you don't even probably have to take the class. You could just look at it and go, oh yeah, wow. I could do that too. Cause you're so right there. And it's such a good presentation style that you have. So I got to oh, give you kudos you. for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, very I good. appreciate that. Yep. And uh, I did realize there's something I'll add, which is. For any of your listeners that are on Facebook, I am actually going live later today with Jane Unchained on Unchained TV. Her Facebook page is, is Unchained TV and she does these lunch break live things and so I will be actually cooking lunch live on on her page later today. Oh wow,
0: that's fantastic. That's like uh Rachel Ray, right? <laughs> like on the except not quite so uh not quite so Hollywood, but nonetheless cooking some lunch live. That's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Very so. cool. And do you kind of do the thing where you explain what like what's going on and talk to people about it? And
1: uh I do when I've it? gone live on my page. I don't know exactly. I, I think I I mean I'll I'll try to be explaining, but um, yeah, you so just kind we'll, of hang we'll out see. and cook. <laughs> I I haven't done this this one before. So, oh, OK,
0: so this will um, be like uh, so you got some butterflies. You're like, oh, I don't know how this will go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really because I've I've gone live on other people's stuff. I just haven't done it with them. Um, oh, okay. So I, everyone's a little bit different. Sure. Um,
0: sure. Did it take some uh, butterflies getting over? Like the first couple of times, were you nervous at all or was it? Nah, I mean, sure.
1: Uh, yes. But I've also, like, growing up competing in the science fairs, I was very used to presenting my research yeah, back then to audiences and teams of judges. So I've been kind of into presenting and public speaking. I did debate competitively for three years in high school as well. Cool. So I really enjoy it. Like, that's, that's, um,
0: for sure. Something well, yeah, you're definitely a talker and that makes this easier. You know, like I felt that about you too. When I saw you up there, I was like, yeah, this won't be hard. I don't, you know, we'll just be able to sit down and talk. So that's very cool. And uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I do have a degree in micro uh, microbiology as well. Okay. Um, and I never really used it. I graduated and then became a glassblower and, oh, wow. and was a glassblower for 15 years and then became a carpenter. And so I never really used my microbiology other than for the sake of like now being able to discuss things with people and kind of understand, oh, different science reports and studies and blah, 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 the jargon. And I'm glad that that's the field that I chose because it did put a set of understanding in me that I wouldn't have any other way. But I, I just never really mm, I did some internship stuff and I was like, yikes, you know, and by <laughs> then you're a junior and it's like, well, huh, yeah. OK, something will happen that'll make my life fun. And it did my buddy, like the minute I graduated, he's like, come down and check out my glass shop. And I drive down there and he's like, try to make a bead. So I did. And he's like, wow, you actually made one the first time you touched glass. Most people don't do that. He's like, Mm. you should be a glass blower. I'll teach you.
1: Wow. I went,
0: okay. And he was showing me, and this was all just pipes, right? We lived in Colorado. We were just making pipes to sell in the head shops. And he showed me a little case that he had put together in a week. And he's like, I make $1,600 off that cash under the table wow. right now in a week, I made that. And I'm like, oh, so seems like, yeah, I will be a glassblower. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for being here. I had you pick a song because yes. I like to let my guests choose uh, the 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 radio selection that we that we jam with every time I have a guest on. So you chose Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Now, it's funny that you were like, oh, I don't have the rights or whatever. I don't have the rights to any of this stuff. I'm not making money off this and I found this on YouTube and I'm going to repost it on YouTube. So I, I see nothing wrong with it. I have been complained at by YouTube for one, I wanted to put the disturbed video um, okay, okay. land of confusion that they did that Genesis cover. And I just, mm-hmm. I, t- I found it on YouTube. I stuck it at the end of my podcast. I went to upload it and YouTube was like, we just won't do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so I let them cut it out. Otherwise they don't seem to really care again. Cause I'm not monetizing or trying to, do anything else. So I would like to go ahead and share the screen with your musical selection and we will jam out. So this is Joni Mitchell, Big Yellow Taxi.
2: a parking lot with a pink hotel a boutique and a swinging hot spot don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone They day paradise put up a parking lot took all the trees put them in a tree museum That you don't know what you've got till it's gone They paid paradise, put up a parking lot Wait last night, I heard the screen door slam And a big yellow taxi took away my old man That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The Pay Paradise put up a parking lot. Ooh, bah, 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 bah. I just don't. It always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The Pay Paradise put up a parking lot. The Pay Paradise put up a parking lot. Ooh, bah, 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 bah
0: so that's fantastic i love that song and i had heard it before but man not in a long time like forever and i actually referenced joni mitchell in a previous podcast where part of the theme was that happy and sad are the same thing and she sang about that in one of her songs. It was just one line, real quick, and I just heard it in passing. But she said, "Yeah, uh, I can't remember how how the, like the tune goes." But she's like, um, "Something, something, something. Happy and sad are the same thing." And I was just like, "Wow, yeah." And and I just really took that to heart. And so I, I really like Joni Mitchell. And what it did was it made me kind of dig through my collection to come up with something that would go well with it. And so I found something that is from that same era, actually released in the same year. And it is Pink Floyd's Adam Hart Mother, Summer of 68. How ironic there's a cow. (laughs) Yeah. When I was looking for a song last night, I went through a three or four that I was like, "Oh, that'd be a good one to go with your selection." And then I, you know, I'm just cruising through A, B, C, D, got down to the P's, and I was like Pink Floyd. And then I went, "Oh yeah, Adam Hart Mother," because I was trying to keep it in that that same vein of Joni Mitchell and that same kind of feel. And then I went, yeah, Floyd, There, yeah, yeah. And then I I, I I, clicked on it and I'm like, and it's a cow. I was like, that's perfect. That's the one we're doing. <laughs> so nice. it was meant to be. <laughs> so plus that's just an awesome song too. So anyway, well, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Serena. If there's anything else you would like to say before we part, as far as maybe where people can find you, what you would like them to tune in and check you out to do and see and, and follow you at.
1: Yeah, so I have a website that's bornvegan.org. And if you sign up for my email list, which I don't send super regular emails, um, you do get to download a free vegan living guide. And it has like seven or eight practical tips for actually going and staying vegan um, with a bunch of my favorite resources, books, movies, recipes, all of that. And then it actually has a recipe Um, of my own creation in it as well so that's free if you sign up you can download that Um, and that's a great resource to get started and then and that's at bornvegan.org and that's where you can find links to pretty much all my work wherever it is my articles my blog um, my podcast my youtube channel my instagram and if you go on any platform and search born vegan or serena farb you'll be able to find me
0: Fantastic. Well, that is awesome. And um, I do have that download. And so I will, um, I will show that while you are talking about it. And that way people can get an idea. And um, I'm sure that people will go there and check you out. And thank you so much for imparting your wisdom on us because I I learned I really did. And I was so stoked to do this one because I knew I would. And now I am wiser for the wear, and I can go out into the world and share my knowledge that I gained from you. So thank you so much for being on my show.
1: Awesome. Thank you for listening and having me on.
0: Yeah. And um, I like to leave my listeners with be true to yourselves and always live a life devoted to truth. Mm. Thank you.
1: Thank you.